welcome back to the film poll. I'm Trevor. And I am Raul. And I don't speak in staccato voice because I don't know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a filmmaker. I'm a science maker. Science maker. How does that work? Create science. Yeah, they're like these little capsules. How do you kind of black and shiny? Can you define science as like a noun? Like as something that you can create? As a noun? Yeah. I mean I guess it is a noun. Um, like the word itself is a noun, isn't it? But anyways. <laughs> what's the what's the distinction between like a noun that's like strictly in the space of like ideas and those that like represent real things? We're going real deep down the 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 philosophy hole here. Right. Welcome back to the Philosophy Hole podcast. Every <laughs> every week we watch a movie. We philosophize about it. Then we create our own philosoph- philosophical theories around it. And this week we philosophized about uh, the double feature of Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, directed by Joel Schumacher. Mm-hmm. Who just um, passed away a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, which kind of sparked uh, a reinterest and and looking at his movies. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I told you this, but I told Justin this. Where like, uh, we actually talked about Joel Schumacher and these Batman movies in our Beetlejuice episode. That's and right, I, because of um, I, Tim Burton's involvement. Right, and so I checked the dates on like when we recorded that, and it was like ten days before Joel Schumacher died, or was even Uh-oh. like in the news at all. You don't think there's any connection between those, do you? There has to be, right? Like we caused it. If this podcast has proven anything, it's that I believe in a lot of mumbo jumbo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe let's uh, just like jump in, uh, jump into this, these two movies. Yeah. So, tell me a little bit more about them because you were the you're the brain behind this week's movie picks man i like put like way too much effort into the pre-show i don't regret anything but it's just like way more than i've done for any of our other screenings but that's great do you want to talk about the pre-show because it's pretty cool sure yeah uh so i think i was excited about doing these movies partially because of the pre-show because i knew uh that the internet is like chocked full of just batman content yeah a lot of it's like super cringe, right? Cuz like now Batman is this like very serious like kind of character. Uh-huh. And, and so you have to like wade through a lot of just uh people getting their jollies off of like what happens if Batman fought Wolverine or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like shit I don't care about. But I I love ev- all of the weird campy stuff or like the weird iterations of Batman throughout the years. So like Obviously, we had uh, some of the 1966, like, West Adam West uh, Batman stuff in there. I think I pulled out, like, a scene or two out of the show. I just Which uh, is available on, like, the Roku channel, by the way. For free, I learned. Like, yeah. you don't even need an account or anything. You can just watch it. Oh, really? That's what I, I mean, because I was watching it to, like, get some of that content. That's great. Roku yeah. has like a pretty good selection of just like really old TV in general, mm-hmm. which makes it very valuable to me. 
Yeah. Very cool. Um, so yeah, I put some of the Adam West Batman stuff in there. I did the intro from like my favorite version of Batman, which is Batman Beyond. Mm. And that was a, I think it started like in 1999 and then like led into the 2000s, but it's like future Batman. And I think it's based off of a comic. Um, but it's like Batman in like cyberpunk world, which just that's fucking cool by itself. Like no further explanation needed. Yeah, that is and also like my main uh, exposure to Batman was watching that when I was younger. And like the intro for it uh, is uh, equally cool. It's just like everything that the 90s glorified about weird, like grungy imagery, like packed into this one intro. Mm-hmm. And they're just like the music's cool. And I'm sure I'm just like nostalgic about it. And then um what else did we have in there? I put um what's his name? The question mark suit guy. Yeah, that that like uh get free money from the M- government guy. Yeah, Matthew Lesko, who I never. I used to see this guy's commercials like when I was a kid, uh-huh. and like never understood what they were. And now I do. But like, in the context of watching them as a kid, you're just like, oh, it's the Riddler. Like he just looks like the Riddler. There's certainly like nobody else. That's a direct reference to the Riddler, right? Nobody else <laughs> has done that that I am aware of. Well, I feel like Matthew Lesko is just this like super weird dude who like. I think maybe he has the question mark suit and just doesn't acknowledge that he's ripping off the Riddler. Uh huh. But I, it has to be influenced by that. Or like he bought it, and the only reason it was available, he like went into a Walmart mm-hmm. in October right. and saw this <laughs> this question mark suit, and he's uh-huh. like, "That's pretty good." In my mind, it's like he once saw like the Riddler like passively, and that just like went into his subconscious and then later on he decided to wear a question mark suit and he believes it's his own original idea but regardless i thought that was a fun little reference in our in our pre-show because the riddler is a main part of the first batman movie that we watched and uh what else we're just gonna completely glide over the fact that there uh used to be commercials that were just meant to scam people out of money Oof. get rich free schemes ah they're so bizarre i think that was part of my draw to including that also is just how fucking strange those those ads are i forgot about there was one that i remember watching when i was a little kid in la there's this guy and he was like an author and he would go around in these like kind of um like pseudo interview type tv television shows uh-huh what's it called like when you're selling stuff on tv like the shopping network yeah shopping network like that that level shopping shopping <laughs> <laughs> network <laughs> but they were they were very sloppy that level of production and he would just go on there and like this book and say like with this book you can make twenty thousand dollars you can make forty thousand yeah. dollars the money is just free it's there for you yeah and that, like, legitimately, I think might have influenced me. Like, I, I grew up thinking that, like, oh, yeah, money, you just, like, get it. Right. <laughs> no big deal. 
other things I included in the pre-show, I included an episode of SpongeBob, the first one that featured um, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, which are obvious Batman references, but also kind of a mishmash of that and Aquaman, I think you and I talked about. Mm. Um, and then I also did like a portion of a VeggieTales episode featuring Larry Boy. Did you ever watch VeggieTales? Oh, yeah, dude. I've never seen it. It just oh, yeah. does not seem like it holds up at all. Not really, no. <laughs> no. no. Uh, I mean, not it's like for, SpongeBob did. I mean, it's for, it's very specifically for like Christian children and is trying to instill like uh, Christian values. It's basically oh, oh, like. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's basically like Scientology prep videos, right? Where. Yeah. As a. If you see it as a kid and you're part of that indoctrination, it's just as normal. But when you're an adult, you're like, this is really strange. Huh. That's it's also must be, are. it must be meant for a much younger audience too. Like totally. Young, yeah, yeah. Like babies. Babies. <laughs> I think I was watching it when I was like, you know, six through 10 or something. Oh, wow. That yeah. explains a lot. Shut up, dude. Stunted growth. Shut the fuck up. Justin watched the same shit, so there you go. That's one that I never like. Um, I think that out this of, was never on my channels. Out of the people, they were like they were like VHSs that you had to buy. Oh, and I, uh, I think out of everyone who was watching last night, I think that most of us like had watched VeggieTales like in our childhood. It's just huh. the pro- it's the product of like being how old we are, and like our parents being Christian. Uh-huh. So like, there's a huge populace who's seen veggie tales for that reason alone interesting i was never aware of the christian angle but yeah that was like one of them that i had never seen the source material from but i had obviously seen it like referenced like it comes up every once in a while yeah but larry boy in case you didn't figure that out he's like a batman ripoff which i actually think is yeah pre- pretty funny <laughs> just the concept less so like the actual episode but he's larry the cucumber so sentient cucumber and his whole like outfit is based off of like plungers for some reason. So his like yeah. e- his like ears. Yeah, I was gonna these, ask about that. He has these like uh, plunger ears, which he calls his super suction ears. <laughs> <laughs> and his like Larry Mobile is like the Batmobile, but like uh, all the wheels are like these plunger cups. And even like the back, like booster is just like one big plunger cup. It's, and I don't know why. Like I don't know why like plungers is his thing. It's not like he's a like a plumber by day or something. I think that like uh, for you can make that a tax write off. Be like, see, our shows teaches kids about like hygiene and <laughs> toilet stuff. I think it's just like the. I think plungers are just like a gag, right? Like it maybe in the 90s and like the early 2000s like the whole plunger gag yeah i have this uh i think it's one of the ace ventura movies where he it's where he like accidentally kisses his boss or whatever and he is cleaning himself and he puts like a plunger to his face you know (laughs) you know this image i'm talking about yeah yeah he's trying to like suck off the germs or whatever so he's like plunging his face and I remember just thinking that was hilarious as a kid. So I think just plunging. I remember thinking that was really funny. scary. I'm like, oh, you can't take it off. It's like really stuck that well mm-hmm. to your face. Yeah. But anyways, 
that really was really good really good montage of stuff for the pre-show and and it's only in retrospect that i realized that like batman has such a long history i it never really occurred to me how old he really is but started in the 40s yeah i was doing some research for for the show and like the first batman movie came out in 1940 mm-hmm. because i was looking that up because when i went to watch the movie I like rented it on Amazon and I rented the wrong Batman movie. I accidentally rented the 1989 Batman, mm-hmm. which is a lot closer to it's something I want to talk about more for this episode, just how superhero movies have evolved mm-hmm. from like the days of Adam West to now. Yeah. Uh, the 1989 Batman was like much closer to something like the 1960s Adam West movies totally. and just the way they feel yeah um the movies that we watched though were compared to that like remarkably darker and more serious in tone like a lot closer to like um like like think the dark knight rises i don't know if i fully agree with that but continue like in my mind like there's been like a constant not as much as the dark knight rises but i'm just saying like it's on that spectrum Uh uh-huh like that started all the way back uh even in the 90s like uh-huh. the the the, bat, the superhero movies just started getting like darker darker and darker and now yes. it seems like they're all like that yeah i do think that like if anything we're what we're talking about is like the superhero movie kind of becoming a staple uh in movie world where like in the early days it was seen as this this kind of genre flick or niche genre flick where you had these like wacky superhero characters and they go on an adventure, but like maybe it was more of a kid's movie um, or maybe more of a family movie. But now it's just like a superhero movie is as is the same as an, just a generic action movie. Maybe that's a good way to put it. it. It definitely was targeted for like children and was completely family friendly like in the adam west days yep maybe that's the best way to put it is that it's matured now to be like for adults i will say that like in the adam west days dude like catwoman was sexy as hell like not appropriate for my like 10 year old self watching that uh but you're right there is like this crazy evolution of superhero movies and i do think that uh i think when you're talking specifically about like the tim burton batman and the joel schumacher bat batmen batmans Mm -hmm. um bat persons that i feel like the joel schumacher ones are just like way fucking crazier like tim burton's has that normal kind of tim burton spooky flavor to it but I always felt like that one was a little bit more serious because it's Wait, got... can you clarify it? Which one is Tim Burton's? Tim Burton is the 1989 one with Michael Keaton. Really? And he also did Batman. So there's four movies that came out starting with the 1989 one. There's Tim Burton um, directed Batman in 1989, and he also directed Batman Returns... And I forget what year. And then Joel Schumacher steps in and directs the next two movies 
which is what we watched last night. Uh huh. So it was half Tim Burton, half Joel Schumacher, uh, and I feel like the Schumacher movies are just way nuttier than the the Tim Burton movies. I'm very surprised to hear that that 1989 one was directed by Tim Burton. I thought we've talked about this, when, like in our Beetlejuice episode. Yeah, I mean, I just wasn't aware till now that that was because there's so many of them. Like, if mm-hmm. you look up the Wikipedia for Batman movies, uh, yeah. more than I can keep straight right now. But I watched the first 30 minutes of that 1989 one, and that did not seem. Have you never seen that? No, no. Oh, dude, you should watch it because we watched kind of like <laughs> I have we, it for the next 30 days. So we we watched kind of like the trashy versions of Batman on purpose. Uh-huh. like last night but the 1989 one is regarded as like kind of the og well-respected batman movie huh yeah, yeah definitely we'll finish then yeah uh batman returns is also pretty good that's the other tim burton one but it's also weirder and that one has danny devito in it talking about danny ah, DeVito. penguin yes yes yeah. um but i do feel like the joel schumacher ones are less serious than the tim burton ones and i think that that is something that you could just debate uh, forever because I don't think there's a clear answer. But, like, the Tim Burton ones are way more serious, or at least they feel more serious to me. They involve, like, his parents dying in a much more direct way. Um, the Joker is, like, killing people in uh, the 1989 one. Um, in, like, Batman Returns... Like, I think the penguin, like, bites, like, the nose off of somebody. Like, and you see it. It's all, like, gory. And uh, uh, Catwoman in that movie is also, like, super sexy, charged up more than any other female character. Maybe closer to the the therapist in Batman forever. But point is, I just feel like, I feel like the uh, Schumacher ones are more, like, ecstasy-fueled and therefore... Or maybe uh, meth field is the right way to put that. Yeah. Just just super wild. Like Tommy Lee's performances, like his manic energy almost matches that of Jim Carrey's. Mm-hmm. Like despite the fact that like, I don't know if Tommy Lee Jones has ever given a performance as wacky as he did in Two-Face in this one. I, I think he's think mostly he like a pretty serious guy in his movies. Yeah. It yeah. was so out of character to see him like act like a crazy person. And that's what is makes the least sense to me about this movie is because the story about Jim Carrey and uh, Tommy Lee Jones's interaction, yeah, which is kind of yeah. infamous. I get this, I guess, at this point because you can find like multiple videos on the internet of Jim Carrey talking about this. I think uh-huh. it was originally like on a Howard Stern show, but point is that apparently like Tommy Lee Jones like hates Jim Carrey and hates him for the only reason you would hate Jim Carrey for is because of his manic energy. But Uh then he like does that exact same thing. Like when he, like, first of all, he signs up for the movie. Like he signs up for this crazy Batman villain role and then has the audacity to be like, Jim Carrey is such a, such a lunatic and I can't, I can't stand him, but I'm also going to act exactly like him in this movie. (laughs) Is he a mean guy? Is that what's going on here? Tommy Lee Jones? Yeah. Is he a mean guy? Yeah. 
I would I could I could see Tommy Lee Jones being a mean guy in real life. Okay, but I don't know. I think we just blew any chance of bringing him on the show, but yeah, that sounds like what a mean person would say. Yeah, it's a that whole story is a weird thing because I don't, <laughs> uh, I don't quite get it. Um, like why you would say that to someone's face at all. Like that just, it's a very like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? What what do you call the type of people who like stir up trouble, like on purpose? Trouble stirs. Provocateur is what I'm trying to say. But he, he, why would you do that? Like, why would you just like tell a dude like straight up that you don't like him? What's a good modern example? We have these like every couple of years, like actors that um, become incredibly popular, but um, like maybe usually like on a younger base. And then everybody else slightly older is like, oh, that guy's such a hack. Like people are so dumb for liking him. I'm thinking of like Nickelback as like an example mm-hmm. of just like the thing that the culture likes to hate on and say is stupid and people that like it are stupid. Yeah. And we have, I feel like we have, I think Jim Carrey was that. Uh-huh. In the nineties that people like didn't respect the kind of humor. They ah, Adam Sandler. That's the guy. Yeah, that's a great example. Classic example of that kind of thing. And so mm-hmm. I think Jim Carrey kind of uh inhabited a similar pedestal. And maybe somebody old school like Tommy Lee Jones is just like, I don't like what you're doing. I mm-hmm. think you're a hack. Right. I think you're a lunatic. And it's I don't just... respect your style of acting. Just let people do their thing, man. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But we spent a lot of time on this intro. Jesus so, Christ. So who cares? Uh, you want to send Chris a link? Yeah, let's see, do it. See what he can get started for us. I think he'll center us. Yeah. Okay, I just sent him the link. Great. Yeah. Welcome back to the film hole. Uh, often collaborator, big time fan, and has a hundred percent attendance at film hole screenings. Mm-hmm. Chris Maddie. Welcome, Chris. I, I take that very seriously. <laughs> Hope to to get some sort of certi- certificate at the end of the year. We're yeah. getting some plaques printed right now. No, yeah, good, yeah. good. <laughs> So we didn't do any hot takes this week, so I think it was essential hot that we takes. bring that we bring someone on for this week. Especially like we had a real marathon of a session uh, with these Batman movies and the pre-show and intermission because I really like poured my heart and soul into those. Yeah, it so, was a whole day event this time. So yeah, um, maybe let's just start with that. Chris, um, had you seen these movies before? And if not, or if so, um, what were your initial reactions? I had not seen these movies before. Okay. Um, and I had always heard of, of about them, you know, about how they're like the worst Batman movies. Uh-huh. But I, I feel like there's probably some worse ones. I don't really know. But uh, I can definitely see why they're they're up there in that ranking. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I I 
you know, you said it was like a marathon event, but I, I, the time passed very quickly for me. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching both movies. Great. The, the second one drug on a little long, the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, that's fair. He just, he didn't do it for me. (laughs) You didn't, you didn't like Arnie as Mr. Freeze? I, I think it was fitting. But it's just <laughs> that one was more re- that that one was more ridiculous than than the first uh, one that we saw. What what are the names of both of these movies? It's Batman There's Forever and then Batman and Robin is the second one. Yeah, Batman and Robin was the one that. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. Like, uh, I just kept like drinking, like throughout the whole night. And so, like, my memory of the movies gets, like, fuzzier as you get further into the second movie. Sure. Yeah, the whole, <laughs> the, the whole like, uh, the laundry scene. Oh, that was so funny. The karate. Was, yeah. That, that's what really, like, hinted to me, like, oh, this is going to be a long movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to do with that but laugh. So I hope yeah. that's that was the intention. Yeah, it's tough to tell like what kind of tone the movie's striking with that scene, yeah. or what it's mm-hmm. trying to strike. It's this. Uh, <laughs> just to describe it to the listeners, it's this scene where Chris O'Donnell, portraying Robin, is subjugated to just doing chores around Wayne Manor. And he's like, oh, I got to do laundry now. But if I'm going to do laundry, I'm going to do it really cool. <laughs> and, like, how would you describe what he's what he's doing? He's, like, throwing. I mean, he's folding laundry and, like, manhandling the laundry, like, while karate chop noises are happening. Imagine, like, the movements yeah. that, you, that you do when you're, like, a, a karate guy in a movie. Like, these very, like. God, direct. That's what I want to say. Like half the stuff he was doing to the clothing just didn't do anything. Like, it was just, just superfluous to the um, task at like, hand. Imagine one... if your cardigan was a set of nunchucks. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. There's just one thing that is always like in my mind about that scene where he like throws like a very wet piece of clothing up in the air and then he puts his arms out like he's doing this like double punch thing uh. with his arms. <laughs> And then the clothing like lands on his arms, like, like it's clothes. It's like a clothes rack. Mm-hmm. It's like now my arms are like a clothesline, and they're not arms anymore. Oh my god! But he then puts it back on the clothesline side. It's just this weird thing. Doesn't make any sense. Are you a big superhero fan, Chris? I'm kind of. Uh... Do you follow up on like the modern stuff? A little not i don't like follow it religiously like i'll watch it i'll watch that kind of stuff when um when it's on you know uh-huh uh but i i, I do still find it uh kind of fascinating like people that do like follow it really closely i guess it's like the greatest like connected series of movies that has ever been told right the avengers like that whole marvel thing like the amount yeah. like just based on like volume and like level of 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 um 
like strategy yeah that was put into them whether regardless of how you feel about those movies uh they're like a real the, marvel the, let's just put it that way yeah <laughs> nothing more to say they're a real feat of filmmaking uh but yeah they're i feel like whatever about those movies but you're right the amount of coordination is bananas yeah i've got a co- i got a top of a topic of discussion here that may uh may send us in a good direction what do you guys yeah, think shoot. of like nicole kidman like being like totally pervy on batman in the first movie super pervy <laughs> There's one scene on here that I wrote down. A lot of this, that stuff was like really funny to watch, but um, there's one scene like where Batman, now we're like Bruce Wayne and her are like flirting, and he's like, "I gotta get you out of that dress," <laughs> or no, he's like, "I gotta get you yeah, out of those clothes. clothes," and she's like, "Sorry," <laughs> and into a black dress. Has ever like... been to a circus? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like that's like not subtle, super creepy. Well, it's like. They play it like in the the way they say those lines, they play it as if like Nicole Kidman is like jumps to a conclusion where she's like, excuse me. And he's like, well, you just didn't let me finish. I meant to say in and into a black dress. But I mean, that's a fucking weird way to say that. No matter. He also stopped after he said, I got to get you out of those clothes (laughs) and then like pause. Yeah. Into and into a black dress. I think there's this like uh, weird version of Batman for some people where he can just like say anything to a woman and it's just like <laughs> interpreted as like a very sexual, like in, in an okay way. Uh huh. Like he's just like the ultimate like bachelor, so he can just be like, "We need to get you out of those clothes." And it's like, just like he uh... can say that because he's Batman. This brings me back to when I was young and I thought that like double entendres were like a legitimate legitimate form of flirting. Like if you <laughs> it's basically just like be a pervert and if you can like make like a sexual innuendo then you're winning. But yeah. that's not that's no. not good for anybody. If it's anybody not... young is listening to this. Yeah. So, not the real world at all. That's not where you want to go. No. But he totally does it in this movie and it's like well, we should cut say, to the like, next fucking, scene. Both of them, like both of them, are fucking like jumping out of their uh, respective suits to get into the, each other's pants. Yeah, in but really she's just like a ways. total. She's like a total like men riding women kind of character. Yeah, exactly. or maybe it's like a callback to kind of like those um, like noir films. She is kind of like a femme fatale. Femme fatale. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah, kind of character. That oh. is true. But, I mean, like, even for that, like, the femme fatale is, like, this, I think, this very genre character that, in my experience, doesn't represent real women at all <laughs> in the real spectrum of life. But uh, even, like, so that is already this weird uh, genre thing that, like, filmmaking has made up for how women supposedly behave. But that's already wrong. And this is just like the uh, fever dream version of that, right? So it's like yeah. twice removed from reality, like what Nicole Kidman is doing in this movie. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But I enjoy it. I like the way 
I I think it's funny. Um, the, think... the other scene I really like. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say like along, because we're kind of getting into this, uh, arena of discussion. But like, it's obviously very funny, and I mentioned this earlier where. I don't think it's funny for the same reasons that it was funny in the nineties to different people. So do you think in, in like in any way it's self aware or are we just like laughing at like the byproduct of how ridiculous it is? I feel like my I, I think it's so crazy that it like must be like self aware that they're making like the nineties I feel like they're making like a, a old style of superhero movie. That's like even older than the '90s, and that they're kind of because like my the the place I'm going with this is uh, like the Adam West show, right? Which is a hundred. You guys seen that? You guys yeah. have any familiarity with that show? Chris, did you see like the clip that I included of like the old 1966 yeah. Batman? Yeah, yeah. Where he's like talking to the Navy admiral. You should watch uh-huh. that. You should watch that show. First yeah. of all, but um, that show I think is very clearly self-aware. I think Adam that it, West it show? yeah, I think it's fully aware of how stupid it is. <laughs> Don't you think? I'm not sure. It, it is I certainly it is. a comedy. Yes, I but think I, I. I think it's aware of how stupid it is, and I think that it. I have to watch more of it. I think that it recognizes that the whole concept of a guy dressed like a bat with like a young sidekick running around fighting crime is fucking ludicrous. And uh-huh. I think I think it leans into that. Unlike I think that's an interesting Unlike angle. how modern movies like they try to veil it in some sort of like serious motivation, like the Nolan movies, they're like, here's the real story of how this thing works. Yeah. But if you look at it on paper it's like a guy dresses like a bat runs around with this like teenager and fights crime that's fucking stupid that's an interesting (laughs) take that you think that they always thought that it was stupid and that it's like a a 1960s person that liked the show like -hmm. part of their enjoyment that they got out of it is just how silly it was yeah it has to be i mean like you watch the show and just there it's riddled no pun intended or no riddle intended uh riddled with just I think bizarre jokes that have to be like self criticisms. Like the clip that I included, I did that on purpose because I feel like it's this really like subtle kind of anti military thing. Uh-huh. You guys remember the clip that I showed? I'll just tell you. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, it's like uh, the Riddler and the Joker got a hold of like a submarine that they're using for torpedoes. Right. And so like oh, yeah. Bat- Batman calls the Navy and he's like, yeah. "Did you sell any submarines <laughs> to pe- <laughs> to like to persons unknown?" And they portray like the assuming like the head of the Navy in this really like dopey light. He's like, "Oh, yeah, I mean like we sent it to this guy named P. N. Gwyn. Uh he didn't leave an address. Uh did- <laughs> you don't think we did anything stupid, do you? Th- do you, Batman?" And Batman's like kind of roasting him for it, yeah. And like that, he and Gwen, huh? That whole scene is like set up with that admiral playing like checkers or something, or yeah. like a hungry, hungry hippos kind of game. I'm not really sure what it is, but they portray like the military as like these real dopey characters, 
everyone's dopey in the show, but like specifically that and specifically how uh I think people's perception of the military or especially people probably in Hollywood at that time making stuff about the military probably felt about people in power. I feel like that has to be intentional, right? The only reason I, I like want to say that it's not them being like specifically intentional about it is that like a lot of the other 60s television shows at the time have like very similar kinds of humor. So I've been like watching like a lot of these random TV shows on Roku. Mm-hmm. And and they are they all have this like stupid like kid type sitcom humor. Yeah. I think I just have respect for that generation. You know. I think I've got like mad respect for the adults of that time. The adults of the 1960s? Yeah. Well, I think the Vietnam War was going on at that time. So, I think everybody was pretty hypercritical of the military not i mean obviously not everybody but well raul and i have talked on this podcast before about how like those like everybody back then was uh as far as civil rights and yeah uh they're pretty enlightened we're like badass compared to us absolutely like we're in the middle of like our own kind of political social revolution but if you compare it to those guys like i don't know if we even really can stand toe-to-toe with them they all had lsd and like legalized (laughs) marijuana so that's a sign of a fair fight i mean i can't get my hands on half of those things yeah uh so chris what do you think of these movies uh collectively as a unit what what are your general thoughts i i think it did a really good job of setting setting the scene for what we see uh, today as superhero movies. Like it, it was kind of that transitioning point from, from what you were saying where Superman superhero movies used to be this almost goofy uh, and comedical and comedic uh, type movies. Uh, and then they got a little bit more serious, had a bit more of a serious twist. Um, and then now they're just very serious. So just that transitioning point uh, to what we see in modern movies today. Um, uh, a lot of it is just nostalgia for me, seeing the the 90 props and um, the way that Gotham is built in the movie uh, feels very 90s, just that very gothic feel. and uh, The big boots and chains and the gangs with, with ultraviolet tattoos and things like that just felt very, very cool. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I, I really did enjoy both of them. Like I said, like I, I I definitely got through Batman Forever a little better than I did Batman and Robin. Uh, yeah. So. And for I, that, you would score this movie? I would score these movies 
seven and a half. No, six and a half. <laughs> six and a half. Huh? Huhs? <laughs> uh, it took me a second to understand what you were saying. <laughs> six and a half. Six and a half. Huhs? Oh, yeah. That's good shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, see you later, Chris. Yep. See you guys. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's uh, just to change. Well, maybe let's our do our parting thoughts really quick and ratings, so we can just get that over with. Mm-hmm. And then we can do our little "What's making us happy" thing. Mm-hmm. Let's give that a try for the first week. Does that sound good? Yep. Okay. Cool. Uh, I'll start. Uh, I think I have the most to say about these movies, so you start. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I think I have the least amount to say about these movies. Uh, I'm not like generally like a huge superhero fan. Like Watchmen, I think is probably the biggest thing that I geek out on. Did you see and, the original Watchmen movie? Yeah. That's like the Joe, like the Schneider one, right? Zack Snyder. Yeah. Zack Snyder. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I saw that and I loved it the first time I saw it. I was like pretty young and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, that being said, I think I really enjoyed these two movies aesthetically, just like based on how they remind me of 1980s action movies, which are like the kind of movies that my dad like watches a lot, like even till this day are like his jam. And so just like through him, I got a lot of exposure to these, these kinds of movies, um, yeah, so for that, I give these movies... I think if I'm being like honest at all in a rating system, I can't get away with giving this movie like a 7 or an 8 out of 10. So I think I gotta go 6. Not out of disrespect to the movie, but just out of respect to the sanctity of like a numerical sliding scale <laughs> of, pref- of my preferences. Uh-huh. Um, so I'll give it 6 bats out of 10. <sighs> Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, Man, that's did. an in, that's more yeah. of an insult than the score. Because <laughs> <laughs> what you chose is the unit. Oh man! Very deliberate, very deliberate. Poor choice. Fuck you, Batman. Uh, I really like both of these movies, and I will be the first to admit that it's strictly from a nostalgic place. That earlier on, I said these are movies that I saw a shit ton of when I was younger. Uh, so it makes sense that they hold a, a more special place for me. But I think that just, I don't know, they they exist in this like weird intersection of uh, superhero movies kind of being on the rise, like with the Tim Burton Batman movies. And then like... Uh, you had like superhero movies like uh the nineteen seventy seven or was it seventy seven? The seventies Superman movie movies. Um and then you had these and then you had Spider Man, like in the early two thousands. But these exist in this kind of weird place where they're like half serious and half completely bizarre and wacky. Where I think those are like the two polarization um, 
schools of thinking about how you do a superhero movie is it's like are we all serious about how superheroes could be real people or are we fully leaning into like superheroes is this weird concept and we, uh-huh. we just need to like uh, make a movie about how fucking strange that is and th- these movies are like both somehow like they're both serious real people superheroes but also this i think the screen junkies thing put it as like a fever dream uh ecstasy fueled like fever dream of superheroes and both yeah, are and both work and so i think i appreciate it for its sort of like fusion of concepts of how you do superhero movie in maybe that's just because of its place in time like it was if you look at a how we approach superhero movies tonally like on a graph it goes through these like peaks and valleys of seriousness and comedy and this was just like right in the middle between like before we got to super serious and like after it was still funny so nostalgic a lot of got a lot of cool toys from this uh from these two movies i love like the villains i love how stupid these movies are I think that they held up as far as watchability for me because I knew that it was going to be difficult to watch something like from my childhood and still like be able to see it in the same way. And I was very satisfied. So I'm going to give these movies uh, 7.5. Um, oh, there's so much to choose from in this. Bats. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this movie a seven point five uh, blender, brain control devices. Blender boxes. Blender boxes out of ten. Awesome. All right, sounds good. Um, I say we do movie right now. Let's pick a movie for next week. Okay. Um, I'm gonna, just because I I feel like you and I could have like a really fun discussion about it, and so I've. This is why I'm like pushing so hard for this one, but it's under the skin. Oh, nice. I know like I just put a shit ton of stars by it last time, but like I think that we struggle to talk about some of the other movies. Batman being a good example this week, but I think you and I like would talk a lot about uh, under the skin in a good way. I think so, too. We can compare it to that other skin movie. That you saw, that we saw. Oh, yeah, that's right. That would be yeah. pretty timely then. I mean, like, the skin metaphor is, like, a pretty clear... Yeah, you know, totally. We could write a fan fiction um, screenplay. connected. Yeah, like, write, write a... <laughs> what do you call them? Like, a crossover. Yeah. What was the name of the other movie? What would the movie be called? The Skin I Live In and... Under the, the Skin I Live In! Skin. Under the Skin I Live In! <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Right. Yeah. Chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I think there's a pretty strong case for Under the Skin this week because of the skin I live in. That's pretty fresh in my mind. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Cool. I think we should go for it. I started playing. It's like on Netflix or something now. Under I was the like, Skin is? Yeah, I was like looking through one of the things, but I was looking through the movie a little bit. Just cool. like reliving some of the shots. Cool. Cool. So under the skin next week, 
Do you want to do this What's Making Us Happy this week segment? Sure. You can do a quick one. Yeah. Uh, See, so we're going to try something new uh, this week. We're going to steal a segment from a podcast that I, I think is okay. It's the uh, NPR Pop Culture Happy Hour. Yeah, we're what's- definitely setting out a good place to critique other podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do like their segment of what's making us happy, which is just uh, media that we're consuming during the week that we like and we think that other people should look at. Um, NPR is real sexy. I love it. I love NPR. So what's what's making us happy this week? What let's let's not call it that. We got to call it something different. What's making us? What's keeping you grounded? I like that. That's a good. What's like, keeping you grounded? That's like a good like news segment. Yeah. This week on what's keeping us grounded. What's keeping? That us... sounds like what a reporter would say. Like a trustworthy reporter. And that's the way that the cookie crumbles. Keeping them grounded with Anderson Cooper. <laughs> right. That's perfect. Yeah. So, uh, what's keeping you grounded this week, Raúl? Uh, well, you know, I've really gone back and, and, uh, because I've just been like on a, on a nostalgia train recently with this podcast and, uh, and other things in my like viewing habits, I've just gone by and I bought a month of Nick hits on the Roku channel. Nick kids, Nick hits, Nick hits. It's just like their streaming channel thing. Mm-hmm. You pay like eight bucks a month, right? Just for like one channel for a small collection of videos. I don't think it's like very common for people to do this, mm-hmm. um, but I got it. So for this month, I'm just gonna binge classic '90s Nick's cartoons like Rocco's Modern Life, cool. Ren and Stimpy, Cat Dog. Yeah, dude, Cat Dog, and SpongeBob. Like, yeah, I've been rewatching SpongeBob, and it's clear to me that it is simply a '90s cartoons. Mm-hmm. that lived into like the 2000s i'm not exactly sure when it started it's but... long it's a very long running cartoon when did it start though the 90s really yeah. wow yeah, the 90s so it is like uh the the comedy stylings the, the comedy stylings of spongebob <laughs> <laughs> when did i say that but the sensibility is like super 90s like uh, like Ben Stiller show, Mr. Show, like all of these wacky counterculture yeah, stuff that was happening. Mm-hmm. It's like the best of that. So I'm like really enjoying SpongeBob right now. Great. And that was, that is what's keeping us grounded this week in the film hall. That's yours. You got to do yours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess mine is not, what did you, what was your Nick? Nineties um, cartoons. Yeah. Nineties yeah, Nick cartoons. Um, I guess mine is less interesting. Um, I'm really into, uh, the Bethesda games as a whole. Uh So like more went or Elder Scrolls games, the Fallout games. Um, and I've been doing this thing recently where like I ran all the way through Morrowind, which is a game that. Um, I haven't played since I was like a child. Um, and I, because that game, uh, 
was like pretty dense for my like 10 or 11 year old self I never finished it and so for the first time in like all of the times that I've revisited that game since I was a child which has been uh-huh. numerous times I actually beat it for the very first time like a couple weeks ago wow. and it was this weird kind of like magical moment where I'm like this game has like been in my life since the 90s and only now have I like actually gotten to the end that's touching yeah so it's not like uh skyrim like where it's kind of open-ended and you can kind of just play forever well morrowind's like that too but like but it did like the main storyline had an ending yeah i had never finished the main the main quest line and now i'm on to uh oblivion Uh uh-huh i've been wanting to one of my like most nostalgic like periods of my life is it was like uh, you and I must have not been living together. So maybe like the summer before you and I moved in together, um, I was just going to a summer class and I was playing Skyrim like uh-huh. the rest of the day. And it was like honestly like one of the best summers I've ever had. Oh, you told me about that. Is yeah. I would just I would go to this art class during the day, and that would last like three hours, and I would just do art history stuff, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, and then the rest of the day I was just like home, like playing Skyrim, like for literally like nine hours at a time. And it was that for like a whole summer. So that's what's uh, that's what's grounding me this week. Thanks for listening this week. Our music is by W. Look him up at underscore W on Instagram. That's underscore the word double and two U's. Editing this week will hopefully be done by Grace Fawcett. Although if she'd rather not, I would totally understand. Thanks for dealing with our bullshit. (laughs) This is is Raul volunteering to edit this week. I could maybe do that. Maybe you could. Yeah, now I got some time. Wherever you're listening, give us a good rating. We've got two ratings on iTunes now. Did you see that? No, like I don't know. Um, who, I don't know who did it. Word, uh, like they writ- they wrote something or just reviewed it. Just reviewed. We got two five star ratings. Like us on our uh, our uh, Yelp page. <laughs> we should have a Yelp page. It's like the first <laughs> podcast on Yelp. Okay, uh, connect with us at, at @filmholepod on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks again. See you See next, you next week. week. Perfect. Cool. Special thanks to Grace Fawcett, our editor. Special thanks to Chris Maddy for watching the movie and joining us on our our call this week. Special thanks to Kartik this week for joining us once again. He's been away for a long time. We haven't heard from him this week, but it was really good to have him back in the screening room. And special thanks to Brady Goodman for all the help. 